yak babies, sex, presidents, and sometimes books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by horse wigs. Like mom always said, never ride a bald horse. My name is Aaron. I'm here with my personal pals, Brick. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you, too. Accurate. We have Dave. Morning, boys. Nope. And we have New American Nico. <laughs> Good afternoon. Okay. Thank you. Two out of three. Not bad. Folks, it's another episode of Canon or Canon, our beloved uh, blockbuster hit series where we take a look at the canon of Western literature and try to see what's in there. Not, was that? Was that intentional? Yeah. Very clever. Thank you. We've looked at the past. We've looked at the road. Well, so we should say we did two series of this. The first series we abandoned because we were looking at books that were pretty solidly in the canon and it just got a bit too fussy, especially with me not choosing to vote for no for anything because of my particular whatever. And your uh, saltiness over 1984. Yeah, exactly. So we moved to a more like looking at the contemporary stuff, like what will we think end up in the canon, you know, over time, right? Kind of a bit more opportunity for so yes and no's. So the first entry was The Road by Cormac McCarthy. We came to a draw. Two yeses, two no's. I think uh, I was a yes and Dave was a yes. I no, Brooke was a yes. I, I have it recorded. Yeah. <laughs> you you and I were yeses. Yes. And, and Nico and Dave were no's. And then we did There, There by Tommy Oren. And I was a no, I think. And Nico was a no. Nico was a no. And you and Dave were yeses. Correct. Yes. Uh, now, we recently had a surprise inception episode where we did a recall vote yeah we did a canner canon on george saunders is lincoln the bardo we'd all read that before so we did a surprise third canner canon uh unplanned uh but it worked out perfectly for george saunders is lincoln the bardo we had read that together uh, a couple of years ago and in discussing it during one of our what's your favorite book of the 20th century episodes 21st century so brick proposed a quick canner canon vote and we voted it into the canon Unanimously. Unanimously. Uh, so we finally have one book in the canon. George Saunders is Lincoln and the Bardo. We have our third candidate today. It's Tony Morrison's Beloved from 1987. Fourth, fourth fifth novel. Was that? If we're counting, I mean, fourth yeah, if we're counting. Now it's fourth. Yeah, Lincoln and the Bardo. Oh, yeah, right. Fourth. Entry in this series, Beloved by Tony Morrison. To preface, I'm going to argue that this book is already canonized. And we're having a discussion yeah. of, does it still belong in the canon or not? Because uh, if you read a lot of the notices and celebrations of this book from over the years a lot of their critics and writers mentioned that it how quickly became canonized right it's almost since almost instantaneously upon publishing this became sort of like elevated as a great american novel so we're looking at you know does it still have that status today keep it in school or blast that book into the ocean Let's see. Dave, you are Tony Morrison expert. You've read the most, I think, of all of us here. So give us a little bit of your background on Tony Morrison and Beloved specifically. I think this is the first Morrison I read. I can't remember the context, so I don't feel like it was for school. Mm. So uh, I guess independently, but I don't remember why or what the context was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it grabbed me immediately. Mm. Um such a beautiful amazing uh savage book and it led me to read jazz which i talked about on a very recent episode and that and i liked that one uh immensely so mm. you know of course then i started reading as much of her as i could 
Well, maybe not as much as I could. There are some of her books I haven't read, but I've I've worked through most of her novels. Um, yeah. And Beloved and Jazz are the ones I keep coming back to. Yeah. Uh, Nico, Brick, what about you guys? What is your Morrison experience before Beloved? Uh, I don't know if I've ever read one of her books. I think this might be the first one. Yeah, same here. This is my first one. I think I read Home, but honestly, I don't remember it. And then... Was there anything that kept you from her in the past? No. Uh, other than just a like sense of like I should definitely do this where it started to feel more like this is a responsibility more than like a thing that someone's going to go like that they'll mm. pick up specifically that's all just because of my but what was the book I knew best of hers just from reputation because it was made into a movie that I didn't see but I just like knew of when it came out and knew it was going to be like intense and like historical right and I was like ah, I just don't know if that's the thing I'm going to dive into yeah but yeah no there's no good reason there's no it's something that I've had been meaning to or wanting to read and dig into Morrison uh, for a long time. So I'm glad we finally did because this is, well, spoiler alert, I fucking love this book. So we'll get into that in a bit uh, more. So I don't know. How do you want to tackle this? What should we do? <laughs> what's, what's what's our angle of entry here? We want to talk through the pot a little bit and then. Yeah. So Which Beloved is maybe a, easier said than done because the. Yeah, we can kind of untangle this. Yeah. Uh, so Beloved is a, you know, loosely based on real events, right? This was inspired. Morrison had read a article about a woman who had killed her own, uh, one of her own children and tried to kill others when she was going to be taken back into slavery. She was an escaped slave. They tracked her down. And when she knew they were coming, she killed her daughter and tried to kill other children. And she was arrested. And it became sort of a, a trial or a, a kind of a controversial trial because obviously the slave owners were trying to have her reclaimed as you know missing property essentially and abolitionists in ohio were trying to argue that she should be tried for murder because she's a person because that would help them support their abolitionist cause right that you know slaves were people obviously and what what i read in an interview a couple of interviews with morrison what intrigued her about this was the question of like well how do you judge right if a woman kills her children to keep them from going to slavery which she knows will happen like who's allowed to judge her for that right and how does that judgment even Right. How is that informed in the first place? She was really intrigued by that question, which really is, I think, like the it's obviously the pivot point of this whole novel. Yeah, it does sort of form like the the main like philosophical element. It's like, well, what do you do with this like monstrous history, right? But obviously, it's massaged into a you know the details of the real woman's story, whose name was Garner. I can't remember her first name now, Margaret Garner. Yeah, have been like massaged into like a story, but it's pretty close if you read like the the details. It's not too far from what actually happened. So this tells the story of uh, is it. Sethi, Sethi, how are you pronouncing it? It was Seath in my head. Seath, Nico, Sethi, Sethi, Dave, Setha. Setha, Okay, a couple different options here. Yeah. <laughs> I was going Sethi too. I guess we'll freely interchange. It opens with her on a, a home where she lives with her daughter and her stepmother has re, or uh, mother in law has recently died. Baby Suggs and they live in a haunted house and it's haunted by the ghost of a baby and they sort of have to deal with that and then someone comes internet internet says setha setha okay great a man comes paul d one of setha's former uh someone who was enslaved in the same place that she was on sweet home this plantation kentucky who she has history with and he sort of moves in and they kind of sort of form a little family but then this woman shows up this sort of gaunt wet woman who sort of speaks in kind of a croaky voice and seems troubled and she you know alters the chemistry of the little kind of pseudo family and then things fall apart from there and it goes and it kind of goes back and forth in history as we hear what happened to setha how she got to her home in the first place how she became uh how she escaped slavery uh what happened to her 
other children and her husband and all kinds of stuff. You sort of that kind of unravels in the background too as we get to our climax. Mm. So, like I said, I'm just gonna go with I. This was an amazing novel. This is this is one of my favorite novels of all time for sure. This is phenomenal. Uh, what do you guys think? Just like general opinion. It's very good. I, the writing's impeccable. Yeah. And I, it, it does some very interesting things with how it moves between perspective and time, yeah. especially in the latter half when it starts shifting into first person's perspectives. That said, I never want to read this book again. It made me deeply uncomfortable. Sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a like Dave said, a savage book. Yeah. Right? Uh, brutal. But in that brutality is so much like literary yep. beauty, right? It's just it's a phenomenal work. Dave, you obviously read this a couple times before, so this is you know in your wheelhouse. Tell us a bit more on your thoughts on Beloved overall. Yeah, I mean, it? it's got, like we talked about in the last episode, it has that strangeness factor, mm. for sure. I mean, it's it's really inventive. Uh, like Brick said, the writing is, you know, there's just not a word out of place right. in this book. Um, she's just, like, she's masterful. When we did the the books that made us uncomfortable episode i was reading this at the time and i remember Mm. saying something like it's really making me uncomfortable because like i know all this stuff that's coming and how just fucking brutal this book is and i'm like i had to keep reading i was just like powerless to stop you know yeah the the plot the the things that are that lie ahead for these characters yeah and i totally get that the not wanting to read it again Mm. thing and, you know, I, I guess I'm the rereader here of the bunch anyway. But, um, you know, I, and confession or full disclosure, I guess I didn't finish it uh, ahead of today's discussion. But I will, you know, probably finish it on the train home if I can. And then, you know, I know I'll be reading this book more. Right. Like, it feels like another of those where each read, like, unlocks or has the potential to unlock new things or bring new images or, like, yeah, I felt the same way. About halfway through, I was like, "Oh, this is definitely a reread for sure. This yeah. this mandates a reread just to untangle more of what's going on." Because I feel like I was capable of grasp, grasping a lot of it, but I knew there was stuff that I was just like passing by. But there's something much richer here if I was going to give this a bit more time. So I think on a second or even third reread, it was going to unfold in different ways, probably. Mm. Yeah. Nico, what about you? Initial thoughts? Uh, well, <laughs> Nico says he has a fire take on Beloved. Yeah, I had a really hard time with this uh, yeah. because of the true story that it's based on and like yeah. what she changed, and I and I just can't get past some of the things that she changed. So, mm-hmm. like for instance, you're talking about Margaret Garner was uh, she? So she did the same. It, like it mirrors Seth's story a lot. She escapes to Ohio. They track her down. She kills one of her children, tries to kill the other one. They uh, they arrest her. They try her as property. Uh, they convict her. She goes back to the plantation. And then on the boat, on the way back, uh, the boat like has a small fire. And she immediately throws her other baby in the river and right. kills it. And tries to kill herself. And then like later, she was, I think, 23 at this time. And, and then she died like two years later, typhoid. Uh, so this is in the 1850s when it's illegal for slave owners to go to other countries to get more slaves. So they breed their slaves. To, so that's that's part of why, you know, there's a lot. It's a, it's a loaded thing to have these children who are your children, but they're also you've basically been raped so that these and these your children are just more slaves. So so I just read 
that true story as uh, just a really powerful kind of rebuke of that th- this this kind of story about slavery that a lot of white supremacists and like now is coming back into fashion with alt-right people that they say that slavery wasn't that bad right you know, like quote unquote wasn't that bad some slaves were treated really nice and and uh this woman would rather her children die right. than be slaves and that that's like the most eloquent i think repudiation of that so in the book uh it's kind of treated as uh as a you know like it's tough to detangle like how much she just feels guilt about it and how much the how much beloved is kind of the personification of her guilt over that yeah and how much the rest of the community is judging her for that like definitely baby Suggs judges her for for killing her and that's kind of nobody nobody goes to their house nobody visits yeah nobody her children run away because they're scared of her and it, it felt to me a lot like that was judging her choice which to, for me i i don't put any guilt on sure. the real the real person because it's just that's it's if there's any guilt it's the slave owners so to to me that like her her guilt is not is less interesting to me i guess mm. than than uh it's it's not as much of an open question i think after reading the the, the real story and then also the other part that really bothered me and maybe you guys can, can explain to me why she made this choice in the uh in the real story mr garner is the slave owner he is school teacher yeah in the book he becomes like a nice slave owner like he's he's they talk about how he treats them well they wouldn't have run away if he was still alive right that really bothers me and and then it's like he dies and his wife, his widow, immediately, like, sells their children and, like, does a bunch of shit. And, like, so I, I guess there's that, maybe the, the what she's saying there is that, um, is that even the most well-meaning slave owners eventually, like, just see them as property. Yeah. But I, using his name, it just really, really did not sit well with me because, like, he is the monster that tracked her down in the real story and so to 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 call him mr garner and make him a quote-unquote good slave owner i I just couldn't get past that yeah it's also i think that in this real story like her children were fathered by the owner right yeah they were like literally she was bred to have those children so that they would have more slaves yeah. Right, but they were like she didn't. There was no Hallie in the story or in the real yeah. story. There was just yeah. like the slave owners like raping her. Yeah, and there was it's... that bit where like she would have a kid. Yeah, every, like five months after his wife had a child, because it was like he was obviously like right. moving on to the person who was not pregnant. The right, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that you're reading about that is right. Probably that it's to show that there is no good slave owner. Right, even though he's like Garner is someone that's the one who was like, well, he treated them better. They were still were property. They were still owned. Like he still set up a situation where his death led to an even worse situation, which is already a bad situation, right? So I don't know. I I don't see it as a as like there's the one good slave owner trope, but more like the even the thing that that you could hold up as like maybe this person wasn't as bad as others is still like a monstrous like crime against humanity. 
it, I, I, but just to make him the actual like if he was this school teacher in the story and it's like then Mr. Garner came in and he was a monster right. then at least it would be historically and may, maybe this mm-hmm. is a different conversation about like what historical books like what duty right. they have with the history that they're invoking yeah but to make him because they literally say that they wouldn't have run away if right. a school teacher hadn't come right that really that really bothers me especially because he's a real person and he and they did run away he was he wasn't great right it just kind of it struck me almost as like making writing a book about like a uh a, a concentration camp and ha- and taking a real concentration camp guard who was a monster and turning him in the book into it not such a bad guy right you know it's just it just bothers me mm. and i couldn't i couldn't really get past it yeah dave what you read on well if her interest level it feels like if she had done that then the story becomes more about her period of slavery than it does about its aftermath Mm. so i wonder if that's maybe part of why she made that decision right like if there are scenes not that there aren't brutal scenes of you know the slavery but like if her kids if her children are the result of being raped by mr garner then also, you know, we're looking at, and, you know, again, it's like, okay, this is really what happened to Margaret Garner. So, but would the questions that Setha and I guess other people are grappling with be as momentous if those children were products of that rather than products of like a loving mm-hmm. relationship? Yeah, uh, overcoming its setting or attempting to overcome its its context. Yeah, right. I mean, I th- I I see that you know because she says in the foreword like that the true story wasn't enough for her to write yeah. a novel about, right. so she had to massage certain things. I just think the way that she went about it, it, it can is you know dilutes the real story a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, especially using the the same name. Yeah, I mean that that's. When I read the backstory once I finished the novel and sort of dug into it, I was surprised to find that the name was part of the story in that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question for sure. Uh, I yeah. mean, it doesn't need to tell the real story. You know, it... And I, I, don't know, I don't know why she did it, but I think it helps to not have... Like, the villain's the system here, right? And and so it's not just like oh maybe there's a nice slave owner somewhere else and and like here's a nice slave owner and still he's got this nameless dude yeah. that like that slave catcher chapter right is brutal right and it's just the, you know the nice owner's right there but this still happens under him whether he's alive or dead right so right. i mean he his impact was nothing right and so plus you have all the characters in in, in her family and whatever they're conflicted right there's a lot it's not easy to, even though one is one outcomes preferable the other, they're constantly looking back to Sweet Home. Like that's their that's their existence. That's what they know, right? And so all yeah. the good things that happened in their life, which probably weren't a lot, also happened there. Right. And and that the the conflict there, right, or the conflict of why other people in their community are shunning them because of what she did. All those things being diluted by just a bad guy chase chase slave is not is not the same, right? You know, there's a. Uh, I don't remember who's talking in this, but uh, I think it's Baby Suggs. She's like, there's more of us drown than there ever is all of them ever lived from the start of time. Right. Lay down your sword. This ain't a battle. It's a rout. You know, and, and so there's, like, I think she's trying to really get to that kind of cultural identity 
which is bigger than the the story of the one slate even though you're right it's emblematic of what was you know that's the repudiation right there but i don't think she's trying to repudiate anything you know everyone knows slavery is bad and they ought to and if they don't this book's not going to help them learn it right and the story's not going to help them learn it right and and so instead what she's trying to do is tell a story of people Hmm. and i think it helps to take some licenses and create something that's a little different than what it was yeah it has to stand apart it can't it's not historical fiction i mean kind of is but it's not in the same sense, we think about it as like an accurate story from history. So, Brick, you mentioned the sort of like the recalling the past, and that seems to be like the main theme here. One of them is like rememory, right? Uh, Setha mentions that she talks about rememory as like her dominant motive, sharing and passing down knowledge, and that uh, there are things you're constantly pulled to recall over and over again, living through trauma again, right? Um, and that seems to seep into the way the book is structured too. I noticed that a lot of the chapters, I don't know if it was all of them, but a lot of them would begin with a, like a detail or a plot beat or a story beat. And then it would go into the past and it would come back to that same story beat again, right. like circular, like cyclical story, like chapter structures. Um, and it seemed intentional. That's sort of like the way it kind of yeah. loops back around to you. That kind of like sort of like communal social memory. Yes. That's like part of like, especially african-american storytelling tradition and even the african storytelling traditions which was i thought was really thrilling right to see yeah. it and to recognize that's what's happening here and see how the memory sort of works here i kept noticing how this book there's these like touch points right there's like certain like four or five or maybe more than that a couple of things that get referenced over and over again right and as they come back to them sometimes they change sometimes they sort of get more detail or less detail but it's even just the fact they're being revisited, period, is what makes them, gives them their significance and their weight, right? The kind of repeated references to, like, the bits, you know, having to, when Polly has to wear the bits. One I noticed was the tree that they sit under and where the men are hung from eventually and how you just get more and more horrific details of that as it goes back to it every single time. It's nice and tidy in that sense where it has those things to come back to and, and revisit. I mean, it's a reading experience a lot. I don't know. It's very uh, horrific but rewarding at the same time because you have this like treasure trove of things like this these memories they are forced to come back to and over and over. tell me more about the style of morrison's writing style here dave you mentioned not a word out of place tell us more about what you admire about how it's written or, or what you notice about how it's written. i mean it's just beautiful prose right about yeah. such even at its most savage it's just like the writing is it's just like i mean i can't imagine a better written book yeah right you get thinking of like faulkner and joyce right and how it's the skill and the intelligence to write where you're leaving things out deliberately but it doesn't feel like it's a code to be cracked it's just how the language works right and like that first chapter uh when i first cracked it to read it you know before bed one night i was like, I better start beloved because it's i knew we we're gonna be recording soon so again i was like this is like a serious work. Like right away, you're like, oh, this is this is up there with Faulkner and Joyce. This is as complicated and as dense in terms of prose style as those books are. Different, obviously, and it's, it's how it works too. But it just shows you like that first, even those first sentences, you're like, this is capital L literature. This is like something you have to like really think about and work through and like and like decipher. Not in terms of like deciphering code, but just like you have to like figure out the rhythm of it and figure out how to get into it, how to read what's not being told to you, which I find really you know, exciting. That's what kind of stuff I, I like to read. Yeah, there's a weightiness to it, like a gravitas that doesn't feel at all manufactured. Yeah. Which is so hard. I feel like that's so hard to pull off. Yeah, and but it's not 
yeah because it's not manufactured it doesn't come off as like i'm trying to tell you a serious story it just is a serious story and it's just someone who's like a master of structure sentence structure uh chapter structure paragraph structure like it was i was really impressed by just the sheer technical achievement of the book uh you know outside of the plot detail what about the character of beloved so there's some i guess debate i don't know this doesn't seem like a debate to me but i read some debate about it about who beloved actually is right like what is the character of beloved so this is normally a ghost story you know it starts off with a haunting we learn about the haunting of the baby who leaves handprints in the cake and footprints in the sawdust or whatever that scares off the children the two boys who run away bugler and the camera villain's name howard and then she comes she appears you know after the fair uh when when setha and denver her daughter and paul d go to the fair they come back and beloved is there uh, having emerged from the river uh, by the bridge and she's soaking wet and she needs water and they sort of take her in and raise her or kind of i guess yeah raise her as an interesting word there for what she actually is and she sort of becomes like a parasite on setha in some ways and she gets into a sexual relationship with paul d too and then at the end she disappears so is she a ghost is she like nico said like a manifestation of guilt was beloved real was she just like a psychic phenomenon i don't know how did you all read the character of beloved here did you take it at, at face value did you sort of find this like a sort of like lurking metaphor what did you it's just a lurking metaphor for sure i don't know I, it was a little hard for me when i was reading it i was like is she a ghost yeah or, or like is there another ghost here that i i don't know i mean she the things she says are very clear like she's like i was down in a pit of pain or whatever she says right yeah and and so like she's very clearly really beloved I think, right. at least the book, the way it sets it up. And she's really clearly able to have sex with people, so she's, like, physical. Yeah. So, I, I don't well, know. I mean, I, that I, through the characters' interpretations, right? Like, there's no... Right, but through multiple characters' interpretations, right? right. And so she's right. she's being experienced by all of them. She's in it. It's not one of those... It's not like a sixth sense situation. So, right. uh, like, she's a, she's a real thing. But also, I mean, I, I think Nico's probably accurate that part of that is she's she's metaphorical for, for yeah. Setha's guilt or or I mean, it's a little reductive but yeah for her pain yeah you know. she calls we, herself beloved right uh does she oh i don't remember do we feel like setha kind of calls her to being without meaning to like the it feels like the timing is important right so setha is with paul d and with denver at this fair and they're like having a good time and you know suddenly it's like as if like this fog has lifted and then maybe there's a part of Seth that's like i don't deserve this fog to lift so yeah 100 it seems like as soon as she's about to move on to a new phase of her life then the ghost of beloved comes back in physical form to remind her of uh like what happened to her what she did in the past i'm trying to find although you know beloved doesn't torture her so it's well but she kind of does the end well sure but you know they go quite a while with having you know something of a pleasant relationship yeah something that's you know fulfilling to seka yeah nico what did you do with the character of beloved how did you read i mean i think it's pretty clear that it's the you know the ghost of the daughter because like she's the same age called beloved i think she calls it herself beloved that's that's, uh i don't think it's supposed to be i don't think it's supposed to be a question so i'm interested like what the other 
Like, what's the other side? So I read a couple things saying that it was like a basically a shared hallucination. That yes, like stamp paid and like all the people in town see beloved and like have questions about who she is, right? And but that what they're because you're saying like there's multiple witnesses, yes. But the theory is that, or one of the theories I suppose, is that all those people are touched by slavery. They're all impacted by it and the crimes and horrors of it. And so they're seeing like beloved is their trauma. However, they're sort of experiencing it manifested, right? They're sort of seeing it different ways. I'm not sure I totally buy that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's all kind of a, a mash of the same thing. You know, I, Seth is not able to have a life without beloved, even if beloved is dead, right? Because she's defined by what happened. She's defined by the institution that, created her and then literally bred the child out of her right right? so she has to she can't be removed from that and when she is removed from that it has to come with her you know and then in the end beloved disappears when her own stuff comes full circle right and so she's you know she's being haunted by her past even though it's not her fault yeah i'm I'm not sure what the difference is it just seems like a you know distinction without a difference to say like maybe she's a hallucination maybe she's a ghost yeah i don't think it matters yeah like what what what's the difference because it serves the same purpose yeah it's obvious she's not real she like just walks out of the water and she's the exact age of her dead baby calls herself the dead baby name it's yeah i don't think she's just a an actual human person that came in from like the next town right i think she's in some way it's not an elaborate con job yeah here they are so they ask her her name, she's beloved. Will use last name beloved. Paul D asked her last. She seemed puzzled. Then no, and she spelled it for them slowly, as though the letters were being formed as she spoke them. So they dropped the shoes. Then we sat down, and Paul D smiled. Yeah, there's another article I read or a uh, uh, journal article that was like arguing that beloved. If you read, there's, there's a chapter where she speaks in her perspective, right? That really complicated chapter. Uh, that's like the most modernist thing in there yeah, that whole section felt like ulysses yeah totally very joyce like where you sort of she say explains her story where the men with no uh skin uh and she was crouching low right and someone interpreted that as uh, you can read there's clues there to be read that she's a real person who was enslaved and i just don't think that's true yeah. <laughs> maybe i'm wrong uh maybe we're all wrong but it seemed even morrison said in interviews that that's a ghost like yeah. she says it literally now that could be just the novelist not wanting to give all the clues or, or playing coy with the idea of like well yeah it's a ghost but also like what is it really uh, but what but what is the, what's the interpretation like what is it is the point of trying to prove that it's a real person yeah i don't know i guess to take it away from the idea of a ghost narrative which it seems to be explicitly is like it, i just don't understand what that what that project would be necessarily yeah. I don't get it. Doesn't she like not eat for like a month when she first gets there? And then at the end, she like balloons in size, yeah. right? Like she like has these sort of physical manifestations or transformations that if we're taking them literally in the novel, can't be real, right? They're supernatural transformations. Uh, she becomes pregnant, right? And she like, like seems to be enacting or like switching places with Setha in terms of mother and child. But in not just a psychological way, but like a sort of supernatural way, right? Yeah. And then the end, she disappears. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe there's something rewarding to be found there if she is a real person. I just didn't think it was the point. I thought it was the point was that she was a ghost. That seemed pretty clear. Yeah. And that all the weight of that metaphor makes that more interesting. Yeah. 
uh, versus if she was a real person who just happened to come out of a creek. Right. <laughs> and just happened completely to have the same unrelated. as the dead daughter. Yeah. Right. Like, what would that coincidence be? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah, she sees the grave and she's like, I'm going to scam these people. I'm going to go there, yeah. not eat for a month, become yeah. pregnant, and then disappear. I happen to have a scar on my neck uh, yeah. that would be the equivalent of a saw blade. <laughs> like, it's yeah. like what's, what's the point of that? I don't know. Yeah, that seems like an interpretation that's just trying too hard. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What about the ending? So I noticed the ending, it comes on quick, right? Denver leaves the house. So when, when Beloved and Seth are in their sort of parasitic downward spiral, Denver finally takes initiative to like go save the family, right? She like goes and goes back into the world. She finds the woman who like taught her how to read and it's a job. And that's what leads to Seth trying to kill the um, abolitionist guy, the guy who got out of the house in the first place. And it's over. It's basically like, oh, it's like it ends very quickly. I was surprised by how suddenly it ended, I suppose. What did you make of the end? I was also surprised that it was so sudden, but I, I thought it wrapped up, you know, that, that's kind of circular telling yeah. that you were describing is kind of smaller circles moving around a bigger circle. And then that scene when she attacks the guy or the yeah. woman, a uh, guy, the guy closes the, mm. closes the narrative very well. Right. And kind of right. tells you enough about what happened earlier that you had kind of pieced together, but hadn't heard yeah. correctly before or completely before i I like i thought it i think structurally this book was very interesting yeah i think the ending ended the way it needed to end yeah yeah i think it was a satisfying ending but it caught me how sudden it was i felt like it wasn't when it got to when denver was leaving i was like oh this is like a new this is a new act and i looked at how few pages was i was like oh this is gonna be huh uh and it was kind of like get together quite quickly you got your thoughts on that. Ask me again in a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> what was I say? Oh, um, other characters besides Setha. So uh, Baby Sug, I think, is a very interesting character. Uh, I also really like the character of Stamp Pay. That was a really interesting character, too. Um, any favorites or, or characters that stood out for you as interesting or, or compelling besides the kind of main cast of Setha, Denver, and Beloved? I guess Paul I don't know. Not really. I mean, <laughs> sometimes they blended together to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I mean, there's three Pauls. Yes, yeah. right. Which is a little confusing at first, but no, I, I, I think thought it Sam strikes a good point though. What? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's intentional and it work. It works for that for that reason, right? Yeah. But it also can just be a little, especially when, you know, I when it got to the perspective, first person chapters, it took me a bit to figure out who the hell's talking. Yeah. Uh, because they, I, I didn't know. So yeah, but. I think they all work well to, I mean, it's really the story about a, a group of people. And so they kind of work well in that. Yeah. None of them feel written to support a story. No, they all have their own. I mean, Stan Page, I think was a fascinating character and like it's a state in uh, his own story or a novel. Right. Um, but I like that, like each character has their own little like ethos that they live by. Right. Like Stan mm-hmm. has this like very specific, like, I don't know, like law where that's how he does good things and he then like asks one thing which is be able to like walk to your house anytime if he wants mm-hmm. to yeah but the promise is based on that if he's that good a person like if he walks in he's gonna be doing something good like there's nothing bad's gonna happen from doing that which is interesting i thought uh like way for him to work yeah nico dave other characters that stand up for you guys i like six o or yeah. six o yeah. in his pursuit of the 30 mile woman she's so good with names and mm-hmm. you know, like sweet home what a horrifying name for yeah 
Yeah, third novel of Star Wars is good. Mm-hmm. What else? Are there things we haven't talked about that you wanted to share about Plova, your thoughts or your reflections on the novel? I feel like I'm mostly hitting things I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I just, the, the, it's brutal. The, yes. And it, oh, it, yeah. and, it need, and it needs to be. But the, there are some parts of this book that are incredibly difficult to read. Yeah, that's what I think I wanted to bring up was a lot of the horror is shared third person, right? You don't see a lot of it head on. Um, a lot of things are discussed by sharing a story from someone like Stamp Page shares the news article with Paul D to tell him what happened with uh, Setha, what she did. We hear about the brutality of Sweet Home like from a distance, right? Like you don't see a lot of stuff happening to you directly. Like that, uh, you never hear, I don't think about Setha being whipped, you just hear about the scars on her back, the tree that is described to her, right? And that seems to be even more horrifying. I think that, that gives it such weight because you just have to imagine them for yourself. Like you were sort of implicated in this process by having to you know, think for yourself with that. Like where she's involuntarily milked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That was horrifying. It's like, it's like a horror novel, like a ghost story where the actual horror like predates the ghost. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, the ghost is like the the reality of history, right? That's Yeah. There were some things that I just need to read again to track what they actually were. Like there was the discussion of Paul D's scars from wearing the collar, like a like a shackle, whatever. Spike collar. Yeah. Is that what it is? So it was spikes? Because yeah. there was a, there were like three things rising up from it, like a snake's. Like a, yeah. Like a snake. Yeah. It was a collar with spikes. Okay. See, I I couldn't quite figure out what that was. So there's stuff like that where I, that's another reason I need to go back and read it again. It's like track down some details I couldn't quite parse on the first read. Yeah, just more examples of like horrifying stuff that you have to like figure out for yourself. Yeah, yeah, a brutal uh, but fascinating read for sure. Or the chain gang that he's on too. Yeah, and their, their escape. It took me a few yeah. times to figure out like how that worked. I'm still not sure that I entirely know. Yeah, but... yeah. and like we talked about it already, but the beloved's chapter, all that stuff has to be, I think, like studied <laughs> to to really figure out what's all the all the metaphors there, all the imagery and symbolism probably needs a bit a couple more reads to really track it all down um the first read i think at least i felt like i knew what this is telling me but i didn't quite have a deep enough read on it to really like i couldn't write a paper on it let's say yeah. um if i had to i'd have to do some some deeper study well it sounds like we should start to think about wheeling a can now potentially right okay well it's already out then you have you had it out true we did the, we did the can out i mentioned it was unpolished i had some time to polish it between the records so now it's looking nice and gleaming our fancy cannon here so Again, our idea here is do we take Beloved and enshrine it in the canon of Western literature or do we put it into a canon to shoot it out to the sea to be eaten by Poseidon? As I mentioned before, I think this book is already in the canon. So we're really asking ourselves, do we take it out or do we let it sort of be part on a continuing basis? Let's vote. I'll go first. Yes, 100%. 1,000%. This book is phenomenal. This is an incredible book. Uh, it has to be the canon. It's up there with the great American novels for sure. This is, this is a stunning piece of work. Uh, I vote heartily. Yes. Dave. Yeah, seconded. Yeah. I can't imagine making an argument to take this out of the canon. Yeah. You go. (laughs) (laughs) An important word for sure. You go. I think I have to abstain. I can't, I can't, uh, I can't, just the care, the Mr. Garner just bothers me too much. Yeah. There's a question of intent that you're wrestling with with that. I just, yeah. Well, just taking a real guy and I don't know, making him nice. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I. I just can't come up with like a good reason to do that. Right. Instead of just changing a name. Right. Right. I. Yeah. Uh, yes. Canon. Yeah. Canon. Which. Which one? Uh, the one. The one <laughs> where it's, it's, it's one shined and 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 
people read it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it. Uh, the writing is some of the best I've ever read. Uh, structurally, it's very interesting, and I think it's a very important narrative about a time in history for many different peoples that is hard to define and hard to get our heads around. Yeah, 150 years later. Yeah, uh, and this book approaches that and grapples with it better than other things I've read. Yeah. Especially for any other fiction. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's especially important to, I think, canonize this now because of the spate of book bannings that we're going through uh, in this stupid country. Beloved has been, it was the subject of a specific bill in Virginia to ban Beloved, right? Was the governor. The governor was not the asshole. What was that? That the governor of Virginia was not the asshole as the rest of them. No, he is not. I get all the states. I get all the states. I now. Yes. Oh, that's right. Because that guy, he like campaigned on banning beloved, right? So it's you know, once again, we're finding ourselves at a historical moment where we have to defend, you know, incredible achievements in art from uh, morons who have horrible agendas. So yeah, it seems like more important ever to make sure that's in the can. Well, good, we did it. We have two in the canon now: Saunders and Toni Morrison. Both both take place in the Civil War time period, which is weird. Yeah, it's true. Civil War slavery yeah definitely i'm gonna keep reading morrison for sure i'm gonna i'm gonna track down i'm gonna read jazz next i think uh at day's recommendation i've had a copy for a long time so i will pull that out of the out of the off the shelf and, and take a read because i'm uh like i said i've been morrison pilled i want to read i want to read more this is great rick will you continue will you, will you read uh maybe yeah yeah i i don't know i, I don't want to read this book again i would be interested yeah i would want to read more that she wrote but i don't know that i want to read jazz or paradise Okay, maybe I will just to see what's going on there. But sure, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah so probably need to read home to remind myself if I actually read it or not. Because <laughs> right. if, if I do, I couldn't even tell you what it's about. So I guess I didn't. Right, Nico, anymore? I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. If I read Jazz and like it, uh, and Dave likes it, maybe I have to wedge that into a group. Let's discuss next canon or canons. So we have White Noise coming up. So I have almost finished that. That's our next one on the list to read. And then do you want to think about Beyond White Noise? We're going to make some, we're going to go on record here making a we prediction can, or a pick. Maybe figure it out, not recording, then we're not committed to anything. Okay. So for sure, White Noise, White uh, noise will be next. next on the list. If you want to read along with us, then check that out by Don DeLillo. Talk to us, listeners. Tell us your thoughts on Tony Morrison and Beloved, your reactions to the novel or to our discussion. You can email us at yakabadiespodcast at gmail.com to do that. We're off social media for now, but if you want to talk to us on different places, you go to patreon.com. Which I guess is social media, but a different way. For one dollar a month, you can get access to our bonus podcast there, where we discuss or do all kinds of fun stuff. There's games, there's jokes, there's bro conversations where we touch on, you know, some sensitive issues. There's a candy tournament. There's all kinds of fun stuff happening there for one dollar a month. And you can also listen without. You can listen to regular episodes there too, right? And make comments. Yes, you get the regular episodes before they're posted. You can uh, also access the regular episodes on Patreon without paying any money. Right. That's yeah, 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 right. And then, right. That's yeah. Right. and then tell us how great a job we're doing. Yeah, yeah. give us brag points because uh, we deserve them. And then, of course, our merch store, tinyurl.com slash yakbabies, where we have T-shirts and posters and mugs with bricks designs in them, all very funny and worth checking out when you have a chance. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael. Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. Oh.